Before we get started, we just want to let you know about a few ways you can support our Grassroots Indie show. You can follow us on social media at No Bad Reviews Pod. We'd love it if you could go to your favorite podcasting app and rate us and review us. Also, please tell a friend about our podcast. And last, you can financially support us on patreon.com slash nobadreviews, buymeacoffee.com slash nobadreviewspod, and you can buy merch at our website, nobadreviewspodcast.com. Thank you, and enjoy this episode. Hello, and welcome to No Bad Reviews, colon, a coffee podcast. This is a podcast where three friends, co-workers, and coffee industry professionals get together every other week and pretend like we're experts. <laughs> I'm Jenny, and I run the operations at a coffee company called Modest Coffee. I'm Marcus, and I am your podcast attendant. Not the pilot, but the attendant <laughs> today for today's episode. Good. When people want drinks, they just need to ask you. Just oh. flag you down you as you're passing them by. Is Correct. there a button I could push to call you for a drink? I'll have to add that in in post. Maybe a little... Look. Ding. ding. <laughs> you can just text Marcus at the Modest Coffee phone number and tell him when you want a drink, and he'll bring it right over to your house. Uh, I'm Stephanie. I'm somehow the employee of the month at Modest Coffee, even though I took three weeks off this month. Yes. Um, right? No, I'm the employee this month. I'm sorry. <clears throat> you oh. think so? Yeah. <laughs> I thought Steph earned it just for showing up. I mean, I came back. You haven't yeah. come back yet. That's automatic. You're still gone. I'll be there Monday. You know. Will you? Well, I don't know. We'll see how you treat me today. You're here at the end of the month. I think you still, like, it's your department. Sorry, so I'm still feeling. I think feeling... you still get to decide. Steph, I'm sorry I'm still a little resentful. Not at you, just at my life. Hmm. And you just happen to be the one I'm directing it at. When right. you're the only employee, sometimes, sometimes you take the brunt of I have to keep reminding myself, friends first. Friends first, Jenny. Aww. All right, let's get into this because we got to go to my mom's house. Birthdays, yeah. celebrations. Happy 4th of July. Yeah, well, first I want to just do a quick clarification. I know that we're not trying to do long clarifications, but just a quick one on the Snoop Dogg episode. Yes. Our friend Brian basically says that easy motherfucking E is dead. <laughs> okay. Um, he, d- he passed away of AIDS in 96. Have, so he's been dead a while, and it wasn't Suge Knight that we know of. Okay. <laughs> right. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Um, no, I, not I at feel all. bad that we were joking about Easy e without realizing that he was dead. Sorry. Oh. Yeah. All right. R.I.P. Easy e Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I loved all those letters. <laughs> Thanks, Brian, for reaching out and letting us know. Yeah. That was great. Uh, yeah, so n- today's episode... This is uh, the Jack Daniels nearest green story, mm. which is really interesting. I'm excited. You know, I mean, nothing says Murica like <laughs> Tennessee whiskey and slavery. Oh, <laughs> that encapsulates a yeah. lot of American yeah. history. So the only reason why we even really know this story of Jack Daniels and Nearest Green is this woman, Fawn Weaver. She owns the Uncle Nearest whiskey company now and she's an author and she kind of uncovered all of this history nearest green is the one who actually taught jack daniels how to distill whiskey and then jack daniels became this big huge company so nearest green uncle nearest was kind of written out of the story the history Um, of jack daniels right but not he wasn't It wasn't like he was written out from the beginning. He actually wasn't written out until much later in Jack Daniels' history in 1969. Mm. Um, The Jack Daniels company was owned, was family owned until 1956. And then in 1956, it was bought out by Brown Foreman. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's a huge, giant global company. I don't know if it was at the time, but maybe it was. I guess actually all of the major whiskey brands in the United States are owned by just five gigantic <laughs> multi-global corporations. Yeah. So yeah, it was bought by this giant company in 1956 and then in the 1969 is when he was kind of written out of the history. And so I don't think it was like an overtly 
racist decision, but I think it was um, like, how do we want to market ourselves? Subtly racist, because (laughs) they're like, how do we want to market ourselves? They knew who their target was, Southern white men, and they just wanted to lean into that. Mm -hmm. And so they kind of just wrote near a screen out of the history. And so for the 150th anniversary of Jack Daniels, Jack Daniels was 2015, so this is way before everything that's happened more recently, Mm -hmm. they wanted to embrace their history, embrace their diversity of their history. And so um, they decided to bring Nearest Green back into their story. Like a character. Well, not so, just, I mean, like. It's like, oh, we've got this history that we wrote out, and now we want to capitalize on it. It feels (laughs) a little bit like, so we have, we've got. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like it feels it doesn't feel genuine to then to be like, This is our history. I don't know. I think that it feels I, weird. my from reading on the Jack Daniels website and from listening to Fawn Weaver and from um just through this research, it didn't seem like it was something nefarious. It seemed like they were really just trying to be I mean I mean it could have been a marketing there but I don't think that these Maybe they were sitting in a boardroom like we need to attract more liberals and black people. Maybe I don't know, but it seemed Are like you saying that they did a big company did the right thing. I mean, <laughs> for the right reason. <laughs> I, I can't say why they did it because they didn't find the exact reasoning. But they went through a lot of effort, Fascinating. and they actually got a lot of blowback for doing this, oh. which is really interesting. Um, if anything, it maybe hurt them to release this information. So 2015, 150th anniversary of Jack Daniels, the publicist reaches out to a New York Times reporter, somebody who's super into, this guy who's super into whiskey, Clay Risen. So they reach out to this guy, Clay Risen, and they're like, hey, we have this story we would like to put out. And so Clay does his some research, but, you know, he's a reporter. He's got deadlines. He's got to get these stories out. He can't do a complete investigative story. So he kind of just talks, like, high level about Nearest and about whiskey and about the history of the Jack Daniels company, brings Nearest Green back into this story. And then Fawn Weaver, she was writing a book about happy marriage the secrets to happy marriages so she's glo- traveling globally interviewing people who've been married for 25 years or more the happiest couples that have been married for 25 huh. years or more huh. which is, i think is a really cute premise because she's got this great relationship with her husband she started a blog her blog was really successful she started this like online community and then you know she was approached to write a book so she's in singapore and she happens to get a copy of the new york times and she sees this headline which is you know a story but what really like caught her attention was in the middle of the photo from the early 1900s is a black man sitting right next to Jack Daniel. Mm -hmm. And she's like, wow, this is really striking that this is the South, small town, Tennessee. There's this black man featured so prominently in the middle of the photograph of all the with these other employees right next to Jack Daniels. She's like, I have to know who this black man is and I have to know more about it. And the black man in that photo was George Green, the son of Nearest Green. And so this kind of just piqued her interest and she kind of obsessively started researching and she's like, I have to know more. So she goes to her husband, she says, I'd love to travel to Lynchburg, Tennessee. And he's like, fuck no, I'm never going to a they're a black couple. He's right. like, fuck no, I'm not going to a town named Lynchburg, Tennessee. Right. right. Black uh-huh. couple from ten- from California, yeah. raised, born and raised in California. Mm. Um, so for her 40th birthday, she's like, hey, <laughs> oh, I'd really love to do this thing for my 40th birthday. And so they travel to Lynchburg, Tennessee, so she could just start learning some more. And she ends up buying the farm while they're there. That's a nice birthday present. So yes. this is where we are now. Fawn Weaver is in Lynchburg, where Nearest Green and Jack Daniels started, determined to find out more. And buys a farm. Fine. I'd like to say her husband is um, a, an executive at Sony Pictures. Um, are they still happily <laughs> married look- after she did all this? <laughs> they are still actually very happily married. Yeah. He's like uh, on the board for Near a Screen. Okay, cool. Yeah, they're great. Did you look him up on LinkedIn too? I did. Nice. You know how I spy. <laughs> nice. And I just want to say that Fawn's research was conducted over mul- multiple years involving 2,500 historians, archaeologists, People, records keepers, going through library um, and across the United States, multiple states of records. So she really worked hard to compile all of this information and to verify the accounts of this story. So um, back in the day, 
Jack Daniel, he was born. Did you guys know that? He was born. (laughs) He's the descendants of Scottish and Welsh family members. Like his grandparents had come over, settled in Tennessee. Mm. From a strong distilling family? I think it's in his blood. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he didn't didn't know it, but it was in his blood. Sure. Um, And so his mother actually died shortly after she gave birth to him. Mm. But his dad ended up remarrying this like terrible woman that Jack hated. Mm. So when Jack was a wee young lad... I mean, 1955, he went over to the... So what would he have been? Seven at Seven? Most? Ni- 1955? 1855. So this is why the 150th anniversary, this is where they consider oh, the sure. start. At this neighboring farm, there was this guy named Dan Call. He was a pastor and a distiller. He had a huge, like, 300-acre farm right outside of Lynchburg, Tennessee. And on one side was his church, and all the way on the other side where he couldn't see it was the distillery. And then he kind of lived in the like, between the two. Um, So he kind of had these two sides of his life completely (laughs) separate. Wow. Yeah. Good and evil. Right, right. exactly. Right. (laughs) And he's like, well, one doesn't exist if I can't see it. (laughs) So on this farm, he was not a slave owner. I don't know if that was out of religious reasons or... Or if it was post-Civil War. <laughs> it was pre. It was 1950 or 1855. So oh, it Dan was the Call, 1860s, right? It was the Civil War. Yeah, that ended like 1865, I think, 1867. I can't remember. Yeah. Somebody, myself, I should go back and listen to the Juneteenth episode. Mm. If anybody's <laughs> curious, go back a year. We've got an episode for you. So anyways, still slavery times. Some say it could have been because... When you own slaves, you have to pay taxes on them because they're technically property. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so fucked that. up. So we don't know. He could have been a pastor and morally against owning slaves. It could have been a financial decision. But he did rent slaves to help in his distillery. Oh. So he would rent them from a neighboring well, slave owner. Yeah. Okay. So, so kind of like a borrow. Can I borrow your tool? Yes. I yeah. didn't know that was in a, a terrible way. Thing. Wow. Isn't that terrible? I mean, I wow. guess that makes sense, but yeah, yeah it's yeah. awful. Let me rent your... Ugh, yeah, like a tool. That's terrible. Um, hey, you're not using them. They're just standing around. Ugh. Fuck. I know, right? It's horrible. I know. Crazy. Ugh. Well, and the fucked up thing is, he's like, he's still got to pay for it. Ugh. Pay for like the use Disgusting. of that person's work. So it's like, why not... Ugh. Anyways. Right. Sorry. Whatever. Anyways. Whatever. This I mean. is... You know, we have to think this is a different time. It's not right, but it is what it is. And so um, nearest was the slave that he rented from this local guy. Local guy's last name was Green. That's how nearest got the last name Green. Um, And nearest somehow was a master distiller. He was so good at it. So this guy, Dan Call, just had nearest basically living on his farm um, and doing all the distilling. And so Jack Daniel comes over as a wee young lad. And just moves on to Dan Call's farm and also works in the, fi- is working on the farm, finds he is super fascinated by the distillery. So Dan lets him be Nearest Green's assistant. Wow. Yeah. And so Nearest Green and Jack Daniel and whatever slaves are on the farm doing all the distilling all work side by side. So Jack Daniel's was, or Jack Daniel was basically working just as the slaves beside him were. He also wasn't getting paid. He was getting room and board just to live there. He was, like, so little, though. I know. Isn't that crazy? So he was essentially raised by Nearest Green. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. So, like, the... So going back to the things that people were saying after this New York Times article, like, Jack Daniel wasn't even old enough to own slaves while slavery Mm. was even a thing. So that's, like, impossible. Um, Mm. and he, you know, he, I think nearest was more like a father figure to him because nearest was born in 1820. So he was, you know, a much older guy, Mm -hmm. maybe around, you know, what would that be? 20, 30s in his 30s? 31. Jack was born. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So, um, so 35. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. So Jack's working side by side with nearest. He really respects him. He really looks up to him. He's super fascinated with the distilling. He's now grown up with distilling. You know, then we have the Civil War. That all happens. I guess the distillery was selling or giving um, spirits away to the soldiers and everything else. Uh, Civil War ends. Slavery is now over. Nearest is now a free man. Dan called the pastor, his wife. I guess she was not like cool with drinking. Mm. She was one of those early prohibitionists. Mm. So she's like, hey, look, 
you got to choose between me and the church or your distillery because, like, I mm. don't want to put up with this anymore. Mm. So he chose the church and his wife, mm. and he sold the distillery to Jack Daniel. Mm. Now, where did Jack Daniel get any money? No idea. Maybe it was a rent-to-own It could be, thing. like, a rent-to-own. I didn't you really know? find that information. They just said maybe yeah. he was getting a small stipend while he was working on the farm. It could have been. I mean, I know he, like, moved away from his dad, but maybe there was family money that he had access yeah. to also. Yeah. Yeah. It's a possibility. Right. I would. I think it was, my my opinion, it was probably more of a rent-to-own yeah. sort of situation. Like, hey, you pay me this much, and then over right. time, and, and then it's yours. Yeah, exactly. Because you right. figure this Dan Call was also, like, a pretty nice guy yeah. to them as well. And that type of financing arrangement was not uncommon back in the day either mm. even now to a certain extent plus you figure dan call i mean he probably still was into the distilling he's still right. living on the property right like nothing has changed except for like dan calls not making the money on the distilling anymore well right. the money he, he is if jack's paying him still so right. like right. nothing changes except his wife has been Calm down about right. the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Right. And so, and well, and then I guess you figure Jack Daniel, though, is now the one calling the shots. And so the first thing he does is he puts near screen on the payroll as the head distiller. And they Ooh. basically just work together until 1881 when Jack, I guess, now fully owns the distillery and has saved up enough money to move into a bigger location off of this farm, but nearby still. And at this time, Nearest is like ready to retire, but Nearest's three sons go to the new location and are like the master distillers now with Jack Daniel and like still working for the company. And in fact, the grandchildren ended up working for the Jack Daniel company as well. Wow. Holy shit. Mm -hmm. The families were so close throughout generations. They, the kids grew up together playing together. They would still have family dinners together, you know, like Sunday dinner. The whole two families would still get together and eat around the same table. Oh, shit. And in fact, when Fawn went to Lynchburg, all these generations are still there. Jack Daniels' descendants are still in Lynchburg. Nearest Green's descendants are still in Lynchburg. And so she met with um, one of Jack's descendants. And at first she was kind of wary of Fawn and what she was up to, you know, woman writing a book from California mm-hmm. and all of this media storm against them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when Fawn was like, no, I think there's actually like a really beautiful story here that I would love to tell. She was like, all right, pulls out her phone, gives Fawn an entire list of nearest descendants, names and numbers straight from her cell phone. Oh my God. So even 150 years later, these families are still so close and in regular contact that they're like in each other's phones. That's just how it is in small town Tennessee though too. They all know each other. Everybody yeah, knows each other, but like right. this lack of racism and this mutual love and respect for each other is really, I think, a special thing. I think it's a special thing to find between anybody, yeah. between any two people. And so I guess the Jack Daniel company, the distillery, Jack Daniel himself, really took care of Nearest. He retired a rich man. He was one of the wealth, Nearest Green was one of the wealthiest men in Lynchburg of anybody, black or white. Wow. His sons were extremely wealthy from working with the Jack Daniel Company. Um, generations of wealth throughout their family. This is an amazing story. This is like really shocking. I know. I'm kind of tearing up a little too. I know. This is crazy. It's like the this special story that you never expect to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, their family is just like really well respected. They're a very prominent family, um, very involved in the community and accepted and well liked. At a time, when there was segregation in schools still. Right. And in fact, one thing I was listening to, when the schools segregated, I guess Fawn asked one of Nearest or Jack Dan- one of the descendants, like, what was that like when the schools integrated? And then, you know, you know, just tell me about that. And she's like, well, our kids were all still playing together outside, before school, after school, weekends. Now they could play together at school during the day. She was like, it was great. Yeah, that's great. So, wow. so tell me about the Uncle Nearest company. So it's this, it's this writer lady. She buys the farm, and then does she? I thought I thought it was owned by a descendant. Is, is this writer lady a descendant too? No, okay. No, the the writer lady is not a descendant. Um, Did she like poach a, a distiller from the family? 
Well, so one of Jack's descendants, so Jack actually never had any children. So the company passed on to his nephew. Mm. Uh, and so it was all like nephews and cousins and people that like, it went through this other line of descendants. So none of these people are like Jack's great grandchildren, but they're like his great nieces and great nephews. Okay. One of his great nieces became the head of distilling and the master distiller at Jack Daniels, even after Brown Foreman bought it. Mm. She did that for like, like 30 years she was the head until not that long ago and so when fawn goes to lynchburg to really learn the story of nearest green because it's she shows up she shows up at a library um and she's trying to like do some research but despite the fact that the green family was so prominent there was still very little information on nearest himself so she doesn't immediately find any materials at the at the library. The librarian calls the director and is like, hey, I've got this woman from California here. Can you help? And so he's like, oh, yeah, let me go and get uh, this woman, one of Jack's descendants. And so he calls her and she comes. This is the one who gave her all of Nearest's um, family members information. So she shows up about two hours later. So she's in town. She's just gotten all this information. She's kind of formulating her plan. Like, how do I want to approach this information? What am I going to do next? So this real estate agent, Sherry Moore, calls up Fawn and is like, hey, I just talked to my cousin. This property where all of this started is for sale. Would you like to go and take a look at it? Oh, that's cool. So Sherry takes him out to the farm to take a look at it. Immediately, within five minutes, Fawn and her husband felt this connection and they had to buy it. So they buy this farm. Turns out Sherry Moore was the master distiller that had worked at Jack Daniels. So she didn't know that at first. Fawn found this out later because Sherry said to her, hey, if you ever want to do some distilling and bring back, you know, the name of Uncle of, of Uncle Nearest, I will come out of retirement and be your distiller. Oh. <laughs> Isn't this amazing? So she's like a great great niece yes. of Jack Daniel. Mm-hmm. So oh, she's a Sherry. So she did it for like thirty years. So she probably she was retired by this point and doing real estate. So you figure what she could have been fifty in two thousand fifteen. I mean, I didn't have the date of when she left the Jack Daniels Corporation, but yeah, like it could have been like 1970s, 1980s. Are there any other people in this town? Like, what is the pop? I'm curious what the population of this town yeah, is. Yeah, right. It's like 37. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's, I've heard of Lynchburg. I'm sure it's bigger than that. Um, it's very small. It's about 6,600 people. Okay. Mm. And they're all descendants of Jack Daniel and their screen. <laughs> well, that's, that, that might be small by your standards, but out there, that's a big, small city. Yeah. 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 6,600. I mean, that's, yeah. They got, they got a downtown. Yeah, for sure. Tell you. <laughs> Probably a very adorable downtown. I'm sure it is. We got to go to Lynchburg. Yeah. You actually can go to Lynchburg. You can now get a tour of the Uncle Nearest. You can go somewhere nearby and get Jack Daniel's tour. Oh, yeah. This um, is Shelbyville, Tennessee, so, you know, that's just outside of Memphis. Well, there's, um, you know, I wanted to look into this, but I didn't. Um, they actually are using somebody else's bourbon right now while their bourbon is aging. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Oh. But the person is, like, doing it to their standards of how they want it done. Yeah, so yeah. how much longer till we can actually drink theirs? That's what I didn't find out. Yeah, I know that there's, like, uh So the one that they're rules. using is probably Shelbyville. I wanted yeah. to, I heard the figure 16 years Okay, is what it takes. Um, so anyways, yeah, so the seed is planted by Sherry Moore. You know the the master distiller for Just Jack Daniels, like an offhand comment, like. But oh, then in the front of the bottle, yeah, exactly. And I don't want to jump ahead, but are you? Uh, do you have anything about Edie? Butler. Okay, so we'll come back to that. So anyways, I just want to talk a little bit about Fawn really quickly. We know how she kind of ended up where she is. Who she is as a person, though, she has a pretty interesting story, too. Um, she grew up in California. Her dad was a producer for Motown. Oh. Yeah, like worked with Smokey Robinsons and or Smokey Robinson and the Supremes and everybody mm. else. So she grew up in this family of their celebrities everywhere. Um, and But her dad decided to become a pastor. When she was a child, like a conservative Christian pastor. (laughs) So he stopped being the music producer for these people, but became their pastor. So they would still come into the house throughout her childhood Hmm. looking for pastoral advice. Isn't that interesting? Or pastoral advice? 
Um, the the conservative <clears throat> nature of her parents, though, and now she's living in California, like L.A. Uh, area, mm. did not jive with her. So she actually ran away from home when she was 15. Oh, ran wow. away slash told her parents, I'm out. Mm-hmm. Well, she didn't have anywhere to go. So mm. she went to a homeless shelter mm. and li- chose to live in homeless shelters and make her way on her own. Oh, man. They must have been really fucking conservative. <laughs> yeah, like conservative, <laughs> like you have to wear long skirts conservative. Uh, mm. Yeah. Wow. That's orthodox. Uh, it was some sort of Christian. <laughs> and... Uh, so anyway, so she ended up in a in a shelter that was one of those work to get your own place type of shelters. Cool. So she worked, she turned in her paycheck, and they saved up all of her money for her to move on to the next place. Uh, she said it was the uh, one of the greatest experiences of her life because she finally had independence. She was working towards a goal. She felt supported in this environment, uh, more supported as who she was as a person than she was in her own home. Hmm. Uh, and then when she was 18, she got her own place. And, wow, 18. Yeah. Cool. I know. So she was interning at a PR firm, um, and the, this, these clients came in. And I guess at the time, PR was a lot different than it is now. And she had this idea of doing this, like, full, like, brand integration. And um, rather than just paying for ads, like, on TV or whatever, paying to get your brands put into like tv shows and movies which we see a lot now yeah that was she was like early days of that and there was a couple of clients who were really interested in doing that too and so she um she's always had big ideas of being a business owner so she was like all right this is great because she had so many connections in the music and um media industry she was able to use her connections to get these these her two clients put into Mm. these places Mm -hmm. into like into movies into music videos into commercials and things and she was really successful but she kind of wanted to be bigger than she was and so she brought all these people onto the payroll and then um with like grandiose ideas and then it just it all fell apart financially Mm. so then um you know she she met her husband keith um it, it was the it was the son of her hairdresser Hmm. and her hairdresser was like i think you would love my son and she's like okay this is fucking weird such a cliche isn't it i know adorable (laughs) this is exactly how marcus's sister met her husband too oh really Uh uh-huh that's really cute that's true except for it was the mom it was marcus's mom and her hairdresser they schemed to bring them together collaborated together oh that's kind of cute it is cute it is um and then i just listened to another story recently on another podcast about two people who met in a barbershop Love. Love is in the salons, guys. There you go. If you're looking for love. If you're looking for, yeah, connection. Yeah, ask your hairdresser just, just to your, set you up. Yeah, tell your hairdresser. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so she she agreed. She met Keith and they hit it off, fell deeply in love. Um, and so then she, they just had this great relationship where I think they had a relationship that she didn't have growing up where he respected her as an individual, supported her and the things she wanted to do. And so she was like, wow, this is amazing. And so she started this blog. She wanted to find a million women who were in happy relationships like hers. Oh, happy luck. marriage. I know, right? <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah, kidding. I then, like you, Marcus. Then did it come down to like one in each state? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> well, I think it's funny because it's like, she says she loves love. She loves love. Aww. She loves respect. She loves these stories. Hmm. It makes total sense given the story of why the story of Jack Daniels and Nearest Green um, connected. Yeah. It's totally like the same kind of stories that she's always been attracted to. Became an author, had a, you know, had a publisher and everything else who had her writing this book. So, yeah, like I said, now we're back in Singapore. She's reading the New York Times. She's like, I'm just going to go to Lynchburg to write this book. Um, buys the farm, not because she wanted to start a distillery, but because she wanted to be fully immersed in the story of Jack Daniel and Nearest Green while she wrote this book. She wanted to be in the place where it started, mm. which is so cool. Yeah. I mean, what a amazing, like, um, uh, like just the privilege. I'm not saying she's privileged, but the yeah, opportunity, yeah. the like the position in life to be able to make that decision and go in all yeah. out like that. Go buy a farm and then like... You know, and then just meet everybody. And then now I'm sure she's like a billionaire too. So, well, I don't know. So, we'll get to the business side of it later. I mean, things are going well, but they're not going easy. Yeah. Did she ever end up writing the book? I don't know. She has not written the book. 
Too as far busy. as I can tell. Too busy making yes. whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's like, I just, you know, they're, they're one of the fastest growing um, whiskey brands, if not the fastest growing whiskey brand in America right now. Yeah, she's got cool. some great business stuff that she's been working on that's really cool. Fucking wild. Um, so yeah, so she's in this community of Lynchburg. She and her husband have been fully welcomed into the community itself. They moved permanently from oh, California wow. to Lynchburg. Their friends and family back home were like, you guys are fucking crazy. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. But they love it. They love the community. <laughs> they love the people. That's, she said it's so welcoming. Um, she says, of course, there's like little bits of racism here and there. But overall, she said it's a beautiful community of people and that like they have been so like happy and accepted um she said people like in their helping her do this research have been so open and so getting to the getting to starting nearest green or uncle nearest the whiskey brand so she has this sherry moore who drops this comment to her and then the she was meeting with a a large group of Um, nearest's descendants in Hmm. Nashville and so she gets together with them and she's like you know like what how what would you like to see like how would you like to see his legacy honored you know and they I guess she said she got the feeling that people had already been talking um about what they wanted um and they said you know we'd love to see his name on a whiskey Mm. and we'd love to see his name go out there um and they're like you know we'd love to see you do it because, you know, you already own the farm. And she was like, I don't know about this. You know, because she's like, I'm an author. I'm yeah. writing a book. I'm, this is not the undertaking I'm here for. <laughs> right. But, you know, this also plants another seed. She actually said that she, you know, she grew up religiously. She's got this faith. And she, you know, she has a prayer that she likes to say. And she's like, if this is an opportunity, like, God, this, this is an opportunity you want me to take, open the door. If this is not an opportunity, close the door so I can never think about it again. And so um, she seems to be one of those people who trusts that if there's an opportunity, it was put there for her to take advantage of, which I think, you know, I think a lot of people seek that through meditation, whether it's prayer or meditation or mindfulness, whatever you want to call it. I mean, I know that I've kind of relied on that, too. Um, if this is meant to be, it'll be sort of, it kind of harkens mm-hmm. back to that phrase. Jesus, take the wheel. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Jesus, take the wheel. <laughs> so she gets back in the car, and I think she has one of those moments where she's recognizing this as, why do these things keep popping up? So she calls Sherry and Moore and is like, hey, I think we should do this. Oh, my God. Um, so at first, what she thinks she wants to do is just do a commemorative release of whiskey 500 bottles of uncle nearest commemorative just to honor him but then she starts going into the business side of distilling and there's a lot of laws a lot of regulations around distilling and distribution so like wineries they can just make a bottle of wine and like give it out to whomever right you can kind of ship directly to stores you can ship directly to consumers spirits are a lot more regulated so you can't just be a small brand and send it off to your local liquor store. Mm. Liquor stores have to buy it from distributors. And we all know fucking distributors suck. (laughs) We've learned that. We've learned this lesson. (laughs) And distributors don't just pick up anybody. Um, You can't just be like, hey, I uh, got some some alcohol to sell you. What do you think? You know, they're like, go fucking show me. Yeah. Prove yourself. Mm Mm-hmm. So you have to have like X amount to even be considered by a distributor. You have to have X amount of reserve of like you can support so much demand. Mm-hmm. You also have to show them like in a complete marketing plan. How are you going to show this to consumers? How are you going to sell it? Demos, advertising, like how much money are you putting into this? They want an entire, you have to sell them on why they should work with you and why that's going to be profitable to them to a certain amount. So she was like, goes and looks into it. Her, by her estimations, to run this 500 bottle run of commemorative Uncle Nearest, it would cost them about a million dollars. Oh my god, isn't that insane? Jeez. What does that work out to per bottle? Right. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So she kind of like she kind of like get, is like you know what that that's just not going to work. Uh-huh. Um. But then you know it's like it's like the she like can't shake this feeling that like this is the direction she needs to go. So then she just kind of decides to go all in. Why do a commemorative bottle? Like, let me start a fucking company. 
wow, it's crazy that that's the direction she went as opposed to fuck all this. Yeah. I know. She's like, if I'm going to spend a million dollars to do 500, I may as well spend a million dollars to do everything. Right. right. Basically, I think yeah. that's kind of where her mindset ended up. She was pretty discouraged. But then, yeah, it just came back around to like, hey, I got to do this thing. Wow. Um, and yeah. so she calls, yeah, she calls Sherry again and it's like, hey, if you do this to distilling, I'm going to raise the money and we're going to do this thing. And Sherry's like, hell yeah, let's do it. Awesome. Yeah. So she, um, yeah, she, she raises the funds. She gets, I mean, hmm. this woman is so connected from her father oh, yeah. and her husband totally. being an exec, like, right. and probably her own personal connections right. as well. Mm-hmm. She's like had no problem raising money. Yeah. She raised, she raises $60 million. Of course. And in investor Jesus money. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. In like, wait, in like small investments or like from investment firms? What kind of? Should not say exactly where she got the $60 million from. She did talk about in this podcast episode. Oh, let me mention these two podcasts really quick. Besides the New York Times article, I also listened to How I Built This with Guy Raz. Mm, you know Guy Raz. Yeah, yeah. That's a business podcast. It talked about how she built the business. I also listened to the Gastropod podcast that talked a little bit more about the story behind it. Dope. Um, more about like her personal experience doing this research and getting to know the family members and more about the story there. So I definitely recommend if you're interested to read those two podcasts up or read, listen to those two podcast episodes. Sure. Anyway, so she gets all this money. They start doing it. They, uh, Like I said, they have to use somebody else's whiskey until their whiskey is completely ready to go. But we're talking, you say, you're saying how they're one of the fastest growing um, whiskey brands. It's completely intentional on her part. So she has this background in PR. She kind of oh, understands, right. you know, mm-hmm. from her early, early adulthood, she kind of understands like, hey, you got to get this out to people. People have to hear about you. People have to know about you. She's like, we got to generate our own buzz. So she hires some salespeople. They're going out to bars and stuff and selling this to people. She said one of her sales tactics was to go in there and be like, tell me which one of your whiskeys is not, was not founded by a white man. And people would be like, hmm. Well, like none of them. She's like, well, here's this one. The first African-American black american uh you know whiskey company ever which is kind of crazy right awesome so crazy especially because like slave labor was what built up so many of these Mm -hmm. companies right right. so many distillers were enslaved black men yeah yeah well and And plus when you have a war chest of 60 million dollars like you can pretty much do whatever the fuck you want for, you know. <laughs> well, she wanted to be really strategic about the money, too, because she didn't want to have to go back and ask money. So she didn't want to just throw that's, money away. That's a huge war chest to sort of, like, figure out, like, you know, like, okay, it's going to take a million dollars to get to scale. And now let's just sell it, right? Like, there's, there's just, it's a lot of confidence walking in of, like, we can do whatever. We well, can I, scale. Part of this money, too, though, is going into building a new distillery. distillery sure. A $50 million distillery facility is what they're working on right now. So there you go. they have a lot of money wrapped up in this, making this completely successful. She said what she wants. She said, like, Jack Daniels, whiskey is such a well-known brand everybody knows like Mm -hmm. you could go anywhere everybody knows the name jack daniels she wants nearest green to be as ubiquitous with whiskey and the um, in american history as jack daniel is and so she's like the only way to do that is at a gigantic scale and Mm -hmm. so she's like we're gonna do this it's crazy yes It, she's got. She wants to be as big as Jack Daniels yeah. with Uncle Nearest name right. on that bottle. Yeah, awesome. Um, so she's got these salespeople going out. She also uh, entered herself into every single competition that she could. She said, out of sixteen competitions, they won the top prize for thirteen of them. Goddamn! Wow. And then got like silver or bronze for the other three. That's awesome. dope. Amazing. So yeah. she's got this huge buzz just in the whiskey world. Yeah. Um, but good product. Right. But the stores don't necessarily know. The stores aren't always following these Mm -hmm. competitions. Store owners, you think the manager at Benny's gives a shit? Everybody's an award winner. Doesn't matter. Yeah. So the next thing she did was, um, you know, so they they only had so much run on this. And so they went and they distributed it. Well, what she did when it started selling out, 
through the distributor while they were getting together another order, she ran a bunch of ads about Uncle Nearest so that people, like regular people, would go to the store looking to buy and try Uncle Nearest, show up at your local Binnie's, and they're like, oh, we're sold out. So she's like, you have all of these people coming in and talking to the store people saying, I want this Uncle Nearest. Then they, these store managers and employees have to take notice that it's sold out. Because right. now they're having to like search for it and oh. look in the computer like, where is it? Do yeah. we have any in stock? Right. And so then when it comes in stock, then they're like, well, all these people have been asking for Uncle Nearest. I better buy a bunch of it. <laughs> Smart fucking woman. Yeah. She calls it scarcity marketing. God damn it. There's a name for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's Great. really smart. She's super smart. She's so brilliant and so passionate. And so, like, the next thing she had to do, this is an interesting little aside. When she was, so she starts Uncle Nearest, does it very quietly, gets everything trademarked, gets everything for her business in place. But then she has to give the Jack Daniels company a heads up of what she's doing because Jack Dan- because Nearest Green is now a part of the Jack Daniels story at this point because they had released that information now 2015-ish. Oh. And now it's a part of their branding, near Uncle Nearest. So she goes to the president of Jack Daniels, says to him, hey, I'm starting a whiskey company called Uncle Nearest. I already have the trademarks. I already have everything in place and we're about to start production. And she said he did not see that coming and it like floored him and blew him away. And she said this was a really scary moment because they could have destroyed everything that she had worked for legally with trademarks and everything else. And she's like, I would have won, but they would have decimated me financially. Mm. And she's like, I don't know that it would have been worth it at that point to go and spend all of my my investors' money on legal fees. Right. And so after some like legal haranguing and going back and forth, in the end, she was allowed to use the Uncle Nearest name. She was allowed to build a company for Uncle Nearest, but she was not allowed to build it using the name of Jack Daniels. So she can use Jack Daniel in her story, but only if it's historically a part of the historical factualness of her story and if it's, like, in the media. So it's, like, mentioned a little bit on their website, but it's all about this has to be about the story of Uncle Nearest. Yeah. It can't be... Well, this guy, you know, can't right. be based defamatory. on... Defamatory. Right. Well, right. it's not even defamatory. It's basically like what Jack Daniels' company doesn't want is for them to be building their brand saying, we're basically like alluding to the fact that they're the same as Jack Daniels. Right. Like this oh, company taught Jack Daniels how to distill. So therefore, we have, you know, a product that's just as good as Jack Daniels. Oh, I see. You get it? Yeah. So they had to tread very lightly and they still have to tread really lightly because... At any point in time, Jack Daniels can come in and be like, hey, we have a trademark issue with you guys. Yeah. Hmm. Until right. her company is built up enough to stand on its own. Wow. They're probably just going to buy her buy her out. No, she has no interest in being bought out. She's This is 100%. She wants a, a company that's going to outlive her. It's out going to outlive everybody. She wants to, yeah, be, she wants to be Jack Daniels. Of you know a black American, the black American go, Jack Daniels. Go get him. That's great. That's great. And so you know you're talking about the 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 master blender. Um, you know being one of nearest descendants. Uh, she when she first started this project, she really wanted to have some of his family members involved in the process. She yeah. wanted them there. So the first podcast I listened to in 2019, none of them had taken her up on it. But I guess they had established some sort of. Uh, fund for his descendants to help fund like if they wanted to go to school to learn master distilling like they would pay for it uh the uncle nearest company would pay for it and support them um and uh it it sounds like she's finally got one of them to come around she said that Mm. that was the biggest thing is she wanted nearest green's family involved in this company and doing the work that uncle nearest himself was doing yeah it's really cool um so yeah here we are now we have this company and i think it's a really amazing and beautiful story so happy like so happy because this so often these stories go sideways Mm -hmm. but this is really it's a super beautiful story i really like it well shall we drink some whiskey (laughs) (laughs) yeah so uncle nearest hasn't made a coffee product yet not yet <laughs> not yet um so what we're gonna have to do 
Let's try the Jack Daniels flavored coffee. I'm going to go ahead and make a prediction right now. Tastes like cherry. Tastes like cherry. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> mm-hmm. This is probably roasted by some giant toll roaster who mm-hmm. licenses the name Jack Daniels yep. from the company. Is it the same white company? And then I was going to say, if, if it is, we can just tell them to go check out the, Jet, the Jim Beam episode. <laughs> you'll learn all about the coffee company there. Different. Jim Beam is Suntory, remember? No, the roaster. The roaster. Oh, though, yeah. yeah. The white coffee company. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. It's one of those big... Roasteries that yeah, licenses sure. the name yeah. and throws some cherry flavoring out. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. So, um, can I? Ju- can we just sit for a moment yeah. in this story? <laughs> it's yeah. a great story. It's a crazy story. But th- I think that that I think that that's not uncommon. That you know there would be white men working aside slaves mm-hmm. back in the South, like poor white people. Or maybe like young lads who ran away from home at seven. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Yeah, that's pretty wild. <laughs> so wild. Seven years old. I mean, he just ran next door to the pastor's house. And then the pastor's right. like, you know what? My rented, like, master distiller slave <laughs> needs an assistant. So sure, I'm going to hire a seven-year-old that just showed the fuck up. Sure. Kind of pl- like, what the fuck were they doing? Down there, you know, at that time. Yeah, this makes sense. Sure. Well, in the cool. days before DCFS. Hey, 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 yeah, like, hey, pastor's wife. Guess who just showed up? Guess what problem just got solved? <laughs> got a farmhand now. Just showed up. How lucky are we? God, God bless us. Free labor. It's great. Great. Ask and you shall receive. Right. <laughs> But yeah, this is one of the most pleasant stories I think I've ever heard or researched. It's just, I mean, it kind of like restores my faith in 1860s humanity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And humanity throughout it. I mean, there's so few beautiful stories like that. It's great. It's yeah. really nice. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Well, um, shall, shall we? we brew some coffee? Sure. Okay. Modest Coffee roasts the highest quality, single-origin coffees without the snobbery. They take the guesswork out of buying specialty coffee by carefully curating green coffees and sorting them to one of their tiers, based on cupping score, price, flavor notes, and roast level. Go to www.modest.coffee forward slash no bad reviews to see what they're roasting today. Pip-pip cheerio! All right, we're back. So yeah, we were uh, just briefly talking two seconds ago. Yeah. About how yeah, Fawn, um, you know, our family was like, we really would love to see his name carried on. Fawn has the resources and the ability to do it, but Fawn doesn't want it to be her company. She wants to honor nearest by having his descendants involved, and she doesn't want it to just be her company. And you know, yeah. here's this woman from California making money. On right. this guy's story, mm-hmm. she wants it to still be his story, mm-hmm. which I think is really cool, too. Yeah. So it's pretty cool how she's, like, not only telling the story, but she's, in a way, like, making this story happen, too. Mm-hmm. Or at least a key component. But the whole families and everybody and, you know, Jack Daniels' descendant coming together, too, mm-hmm. to make this happen is pretty cool. Yeah. It's great. It's, like, one of the greatest stories. It's really hard to find people who are... So, like, here's Fawn. She's, like, a fucking doer. I mean, I've never heard of a doer like her. She's like, I don't want to live here when I'm 15. Right, right, yeah. She's like, I'm going to go make it. She's been making it on her own her entire life. How old is she now? 45. Wow. So she's 45 now. Okay. Um, And, but she's doing it the right way in a way that feels very honest and, like, true not it's not she's like i don't think she's like i need to be a millionaire i need to have a bunch of money she's not in this because she's trying to become rich she's in it because she's really she's she's found the authenticity and she's gonna sell it yeah yeah she's doing great and so i guess her company though uncle nearest is profitable but they're they're at that point where they're reinvesting all of their profits back into the company because she does not want to keep going to the investors and asking for money. She wants to be self-sustaining. She wants this success 
to be the success of Uncle Nearest and Fuck of yeah. the company. So Let's that go. I think is great too. Like what a mindset we don't see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause, cause the only way that you keep going back to the well for more and more money, the only way out is like to sell it eventually. That's what investors want. They mm-hmm. want their money back. Ah, uh-huh. that's a good point. Right? Yeah. So the sooner you get to self-sufficiency and kind of everybody paid back, that's, that's where you have a legacy brand and a legacy company that'll last, you know, forever. Yeah. That's a great point. As yeah, I mean, as, as long as somebody doesn't run into the ground, you know, <laughs> she definitely like I feel like she her values in some ways. I mean, we're way tinier, but I feel like I can really relate and connect with her values and what she's trying to do and trying to do it the right way and not just trying to turn a profit and trying to reinvest her profits and become a self-sufficient, self-sustaining company Yeah, that's just trying to do the right thing and not yeah. necessarily trying to get right, get yeah. it right. She's got her story. She's got her mission. And it's about her product and the story of Uncle Nearest. It's not about, you know, all yeah. of these other... Her appetite for scale is, is bigger than ours. Uh, way bigger than <laughs> ours. <laughs> I don't actually want that kind of stress in my life. She seems to handle it very well. But maybe if we didn't have kids, the kids stress me out so much. I you already know. have stress in my life. I don't need yeah. more stress. Look, I don't need to go to work to be stressed. No, I'm stressed I'm at home. trying to stay aggressively small. I'm trying that to stay be... aggressively chill. Yeah, so you guys want to do an olfactory reveal because it smells. Yeah, it fucking smells like cherry like, almond in here, yeah. big time. No, I oh, mean, it's like the the ubiquitous alcohol, like oh. uh, cherry uh, fake smell. You, you, this is familiar. You've tried this. Before. I don't know if this yeah. needs to make it in, but somebody recently said Steph's kind of negative on the podcast. I thought <gasps> you guys were a no bad reviews podcast. What? I am kind of negative on the Nobody podcast. Nobody said that. You're supposed to be no bad reviews. It's true. I Who am. Said that. I am more negative. Which episode? Than I'm supposed to be. I don't know. Somebody like. like privately messages who was it no i was talking to somebody in person maybe it's i don't remember who it was oh, somebody shit. locally because i'm always like it's not good enough i'm gonna add whiskey i'm gonna add whiskey i'm gonna add this <laughs> well, no 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 you have i'm to just stay. gonna go straight to the whiskey you have to say what just, i think I'm would make this better for the, is whiskey <laughs> we all love whiskey yeah you Ooh. know it's a challenge it's a challenge you know to to really that is the point um, it's this is a podcast where we challenge ourselves yeah the challenging podcast. Um, so, do All you right. guys remember um, the little cigar cigars? You know, like the, the this this reminds me of like a like cigarello. Or yeah, whatever. oh, you're right. right. Yeah. Like a like one of those scented flavored mm. cigars. You know, or cigarellos for like, you know, doing. Yeah. Yeah, like doing Snoop Dogg episode. <laughs> yeah. Can I tell you about this coffee real quick? All right. I mean, that's part of your job. Yeah, I'm going to tell yeah. you about it real quick. Right. Um, I didn't even have to do any research. It was That's roasted right and manufactured in the U.S. by World of Coffee in Sterling, New Jersey. Fantastic. Oh, yeah. World of Coffee. Cool. Great. Yeah. That was easy. Great. Um, and it is, this is interesting, This I don't think we had in the Jim Beam episode. Ingredients are Arabica coffee, 100%. Cool. Natural and artificial flavors. Yep. Jack Daniels Tennessee whiskey. Wow, it has whiskey in it. Really, as an ingredient, no shit. But it does say it's non-alcoholic, so I don't know. Oh, denatured. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe they, maybe they missed it, and then it, you know, evaporates <laughs> off. Oh, that could be. Yeah, right. that makes sense. Yeah, that's interesting. Made with authentic Jack Daniels Tennessee whiskey. Huh. Old number seven brand. Amazing. Well, let's uh, let's try this. Unless it'll make you fall off. Does it count? No, I don't think so. Alcoholic. I think it's been heated. Okay. It's probably it says non-alcoholic. We're good. I mean, I'm not looking forward to it, but I think I'll be all right. Like looking forward to confronting that. These cutie That's what little I'm saying. cups. Oh, we're using the baby cups. Well, you, we could use baby cups. Oh my god, these are the cutest tiny little Melita mugs that you found. So when I listened back to our Melita episode, where I could not stop going on and on about eBay and the cute little vintage Melita stuff, <laughs> I went back on eBay. Um, again, after buying that coffee maker, and then found these cute little Melita mugs. Oh my god, they're were these adorable! Like promotional for something cute? I don't feel like these are practical at all. <laughs> I have no idea. All I know is I got a set of four really cute little they're Melita mugs. So cute! They're, they're like, like perfect ceramic, tiny little mugs, though. Well, I feel like, like they're a espresso. Maybe it's for espresso. Maybe like slightly bigger than espresso, though. Just a little. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think. Um, Melita doesn't do espresso. They're about pour over. Right. But it's it's an it's not a meaningful amount of coffee. <laughs> Maybe the idea is that you should drink it and always have a hot cup of coffee. It's so like, if you drink through a small amount, then a small amount and so yeah. on. Three it's, ounces, four ounces. These are ounces? vintage though, you know. 
These were like a coffee. This was a cup of coffee back then. People's hands yeah. were coffee so tiny Coffee was really expensive. <laughs> <laughs> ten drops. Uh, ten drops. Just ten drops. Uh. Yeah, I mean, that's like a full fucking cup here with one of these. Anyways. Not bad. <laughs> Did you Not taste bad. it? It's still so Does hot. It, do you feel like you need to add yeah. more whiskey to your whiskey? I actually, honestly, I, I like it hot because it's like so hot. It just kind of tastes like hot coffee. So I like it. <laughs> for that drink it hot oh you know i think Burn we, your taste buds i think we can mention too that we decided for our, our love it or leave it we're going to be trying jack daniel's whiskey uh, not me but you guys what did, uh, i'm going to eat like an ice cream sandwich maybe <laughs> oh okay my cool stand in yeah review that dipped next in, dipped in jack daniel's <laughs> yeah to get jack the full daniel's effect. coffee yeah and it's a side-by-side taste test oh yeah sorry we're going to be doing a the jack daniel's versus uncle nearest to see what yeah you know if they're Which the same one we prefer mm-hmm. yeah i'll yeah. love it or leave it yeah I'm and sure i do we'll both. and i have some fun little facts about uh whiskey tennessee whiskey cool. specifically oh, when we get to that awesome and i'll talk about about yeah. brewing no distilling yeah distilling. Awesome. so the ground coffee not you know it was a uh, challenged challenging i think challenging the smell of the olfactory reveal i yeah. think it's it smells kind of like alcohol but it almost smells a little bit like an extract like a sure. like, like if it were a whiskey extract that you uh-huh. would use in baking. That's yeah, what it like kind of reminds that's a me good, of. That's a good one. It does have that alcohol smell to it, I think. I think that from what I remember, and again, I don't know if my standards have, you know, adjusted. Right. Um, <laughs> since you're, we started you, this podcast. Your mind has been opened. Right. Um, you're no longer the coffee snob you used to be. I distinctly, I enjoyed this with it then more than I remember the Jim Beam. Yeah, I remember not really caring for that Jim Beam. Yeah. I would say with the Jim Beam, it took a little bit more additives <laughs> for me to get to a point point where I could give it no bad reviews. This coffee seeming a little bit easier to no bad review. Out the gate, right. Uh, uh, as it's cooling, I'm getting a little bit more of that like sharp artificial cherry flavor that, uh-huh. that everybody loves to use. So, but it's not bad, I guess. I think there's like a little bit of bitterness that I think is bothering me more than the flavor. Like the artificial flavor actually isn't bothering me too much. The Is the bitterness coming from the coffee or from the flavoring? I think it's coming from the flavoring. I don't care for that. Yeah. But I'll try to be more positive because that's the feedback I've received from our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to say one thing. I just, uh, this world of coffee company, it could be a little bit uh, higher elevate, a little bit of an elevated experience right off the bat. They are a member of the Specialty Coffee Association of America. Boom. Also the Specialty Foods Association of America. And they go to the Summer Fancy Food Show. They're fancy. They represent at the Fancy Food Show as well. So okay. they are, um, their thing is basically toll roasting. Um, but like meant to be a specialty coffee company. Okay. So, you know, if we're starting higher end toll roaster, if you're starting, um, you know, we're starting with a better base product before Mm -hmm. all Mm -hmm. this artificial flavoring goes in and right. Real Jack Daniels. And real, real. I liked that. That is a, that is a touch that I really liked. Mm -hmm. Um, so then it makes me wonder if they're more of a toll roaster. Is this something that Foreman Brown reached out to them and said, Hey, we'd like to distribute a coffee. Like, now I'm curious. It doesn't mm. seem like they're the type of company that just goes and licenses the names because just looking on their website, they're like, we make a blend special for you. What yeah. do you want us to do for and you? The packaging, Add your brand. That packaging is on brand for Jack Daniels, whereas the Jim Beam just sort of really looked kind of like low quality, like, right. oh, we, we downloaded their fucking like, logo <laughs> and slapped it on the bag. Right. Whereas this one is a little bit more polished. It's all black. It's all on brand. Um so, yeah, I think that they are, I think that they, yeah, they took the step up. It makes sense that you'd have a better product if Jack Daniels reached out to the coffee company versus the, uh, like, a random coffee company looking for other flavorings. Yeah. yeah. it makes sense that it would be a better coffee. Interesting. So I think, like, there's something positive to say. If you're, like, debating between the Jack Daniels coffee and the, um, why can I never? The Jim Beam. The Jim Beam. Why is that name right. so hard for me to remember? Right. I did that whole episode yeah. and I cannot remember it ever. <laughs> yeah. Can you guys tell me? Okay, so as a non-drinker, I don't really know, like, uh, what alcohols are all about. 
Jack Daniels makes me think of like people, white men who are alcoholics and maybe living in poor places. I don't know who might possibly be abusive. I don't know if any of that's true. I would like if that to be dispelled. I have an answer what for is, that. Who is this? Who is this alcohol for? I drink Jack and Coke um, for the entirety of my uh, early twenties drinking career. Exactly the same here. Yeah, exactly I have heard of same. Jack and Coke as like a drink when I used yeah. to be a waitress. I drank so much of that in my early 20s and probably late teens. So are you saying it's for young people? It's yeah. Not, my, my association is incorrect. Yes. I think... Yes. Um, okay. You totally missed the mark. Okay. Yeah. That's what I'm just wondering. I don't know anything about alcohol. I don't know who's drinking alcohols. Now, if you're asking who's drinking it, like, straight out of the bottle... Yeah. Is probably that... the character you described. But, like, who, how it's actually consumed in the market, I think, is closer to just Jack and Coke and younger 20s crowd. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, when when I came up in the time before Red Bull mm-hmm. and vodka, you know, um, Jack and Coke was kind of you got the caffeine from the Coke mm. to help you. Yeah. And like Jack Daniels does like the flavor goes really well with yeah. Coke. Yeah. It, I think. And I a little know. squirt of lime too. Fuck, oh, yeah. Count so that I in. I had it with lime. That's I'm, good. Now that I'm like thinking about the cherry flavor in the coffee and thinking about Jack Daniels and Coke, like is there a natural hint of like cherry coke is so good does jack and coke kind of kind of like give you a little bit of an impression of that flavor or is the cherry totally just part of the coffee i don't know yeah i don't know but now i want to try jack and cherry coke oh man that would probably be so good (laughs) does anybody with the lime too Uh, does anybody drink jack on the rocks like i know a lot of whiskey are neat or rocks i I don't don't think it's a sipping whiskey I don't. It's I don't not know. a sipping whiskey, or in could your be opinion. Wrong, but I don't know. Well, you can just talk about your own experience. No, as you, as a person who drinks some whiskeys, are you a sipping? Is it no? It's to too you? sweet. It's too sweet for me. Is it sweet? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, okay. It's a sweeter whiskey. I don't know if I've ever. I mean, I guess I've probably done a shot of Jack Daniels, but I've never sipped Jack Daniels. Okay. Have you ever had Crown Royal? Yes. That's like the Canadian like version of of. Jack Daniels, in my opinion, it's like sweet, but not sweet like that, but kind of, you know, in the same neighborhood of like a sweeter alcohol. Okay, we should scale this back and save the rest of this conversation for the uh, Patreon okay. that oh, okay. we're going to release. Bring it back to the coffee. Yeah. Um, Bring it. I just wanted to kind of get to sure. what I was trying to get to with that question is like, who would the who would the Jack Daniels company be marketing a specialty coffee ah. to? Oh. Like, who would they want? Like, what segment of people are they looking for? Maybe it was like an attempt to see, hey, can we can we capture some additional beverage dollars with our brand? So you think maybe they started maybe. out like a year or so ago. I looked at the Best Buy date on that. It's January 2024. Okay. So it was either roasted a few months ago or it was roasted two years ago. Because a lot of times these types of coffees have a two-year Best Buy date. Oh. So maybe they tried doing a push in the beginning of 2022 Maybe it hasn't gone that well, so they've been phasing it out. I feel like I saw Jack Daniels coffee on shelves ages ago, though. I don't think they've just been making it for a year. Oh, okay. But I do feel like it's maybe just sort of a novelty product yeah. mm-hmm. more right. than something people are actually drinking every day. Yeah. yeah. Right. Exactly. It's like somebody's like sees it and they're like, I'm going to try it spontaneously, impulsively. They're like, yeah, it's not bad. But then like never drink it again. Right. It feels like somebody would buy it for like their dad who likes Jack Daniel. Right. Yeah. Uh, and like give it to him as like a Christmas gift. Right. Yeah, you're right. Like a novelty thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm sure it does all right on that, too. It's like, I mean, the great packaging. If you're a Jack Daniels fan, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I could see it being popular on Father's Day. Like, I don't know. What oh, that's good a good idea. Do he looks Jack, but I'm four. <laughs> well, in the packaging they have at um, World Market, it comes in a nice little canister, like a tin type thing. Mm. Oh, there you so go. So it's actually a really nice gift packaging. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, does anyone ever buy anything for themselves at World Market? It right. seems like the place you go when you have to buy a gift for someone and you don't know what to get. Right. I know. I mean, I like World Market. It's a fun. It's fun. I go there every year before Christmas. There you ah, go. smart. Yeah. yeah. Um, they do have some really interesting coffee brewing equipment oh. there. Yeah. So we, when we were doing wedding catering, we bought our pour overs from there. Mm. Really, these like cool like lab 
chemistry look and stand things. Ah, cool. So as, as much as I wanted to like, um, like dive into this uncle nearest, no? We should save it for the comparison. I honestly don't think that I need it. I really think it's not bad black. I finished up my cup. I know. I mean, maybe just because it's a tiny cup, I'm pro these tiny cups. Oh, yeah. Right. Good. Go from now on. Challenge coffees. But um. <laughs> I, I drink mine too. Um, yeah. I could rinse out the cup with a little Uncle Nearest. I didn't need it. No. You should save it. Okay. Um, I found that I would have... I did not get up to do this because I didn't feel like it was so much so that I had to. But I think I would prefer it with a little tiny bit of sugar mm-hmm. and, a, and a bit of milk. That's how my no bad review on this coffee is. And so for all of you new listeners, Jack Daniels fans that have just joined us, um, <laughs> we have a rating scale where if we drink it black, that's our that's our highest rating um, that uh, we give it. And then if we can't say it's not bad black, then we add cream or sugar. And if it still needs a little bit of help, we add whiskey and then we will drink it. We are committed to drinking it until it tastes good. Um, today, <laughs> we didn't have to work too hard. So Mm-mm. I think that's three. That's three not bad reviews black. Good job. I'm pretty good impressed job. for the quality of yeah. a flavored coffee, like what it is, and especially compared to the Jim Beam. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm pretty I'm yeah. impressed. Right. If it's, there had been whipped cream on the table, I would have used it. Yeah. But, I, you know, Fair. I got through it. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Well, is... Uh, is that our episode then, guys? Yeah, I think so. Oh my God, okay. that went so smoothly. Yeah. You guys well, ready to get to drinking? Think, uh, That's yeah, why it went smoothly. The we party's about wait. to <laughs> really continue Let's talk. on. And, More uh, drinking. And uh, yeah, join us on Patreon to uh, find out about the showdown between Uncle Nearest and no. Jack Daniels. And, um, and then if you're lucky, we might release it as a bonus episode. <laughs> Wink. Thank you for listening to this podcast, generously sponsored by Modest Coffee, purveyors of single-origin coffee without the snobbery. Visit www.modest.coffee forward slash no bad reviews to see what they're roasting today. Enjoy.